The show you're about to listen to is part of the Hopped Up Network's growing family of craft beer podcasts in the U.S. and Canada. Find this show and others like it at hoppedupnetwork.com, the spot for informative and entertaining craft beer podcasts. I like to try brand new beers we've never made before. I like to try beers that I think um, women would like. That's Kathy Ganser, owner of Devil's Creek Brewery in Collinswood, New Jersey. Welcome to Over Beers, a craft beer conversation podcast. My name is Freddie Clark. Before we get to our conversation with Kathy, at one point we mentioned Weizenbach. So let's talk about that style. It was originally introduced by the brewers George Snyder and Son, brewers who specialized in wheat brewing, but it goes back a little further. An original ingredient in seminal Sumerian brews, wheat, is as old as beer itself. It is a popular, vital ingredient today and has remained so throughout the history of brewing. Northern Europe especially boasts several remnants of medieval wheat brews with Lambic, Berliner Weiss, Gose, and Whitbeer. Einbeck, Germany, one of the first important brewing centers of continental Europe in the 14th century, built its legacy upon wheat beers. Each city had a specialty. Einbeck's was beer. So coveted was it that it was distributed throughout Europe. Known as Weissbeer, or white beer, it was one-third wheat, hoppy and strong, and considered more wholesome and savory than the common barley or brown beers. Einbeck supported about 600 brew houses by the end of the 14th century. Though only nobility could brew Weissbeer, the citizens consumed it in prodigious quantities. By the 18th century, it had become so popular that all pubs serving brown beer were forced to serve Weissbeer. When a new tenant was needed at the Weiss Hofbrau House in 1855, private brewer George Snyder I took up residence and defiantly continued to brew Weissbeer in spite of its fading popularity. He threatened to vacate the premises in 1872 unless granted private rights to brew Weissbeer without royal meddling. He was granted those rights and tripled the output within a few years. Snyder not only saved Bavarian Weissbier from extinction, but miraculously also made it fashionable again, and sales steadily climbed. The original brewers, George I and son George II, ran the brewery until 1890, when both of them died. The reins were handed to George III, who himself died in 1905 at the age of 35. The brewing operations were left in the capable hands of George III's wife, Matilda. Not only did she maintain the brewery's growth, but also introduced Bavarians to a new style of beer, a Weizenbach called Aventinus in 1907. Brilliantly, she capitalized on the popularity of seasonal bottom-fermented box and double box and the ascent of Weissbier. It combined dark Munich malts with top-fermenting Weissbier yeast and offered doppelbach strength. Unlike a lot of shoehorn styles we've seen recently, this was a union crafted in beer heaven. It's fitting that it was introduced by a woman, and today we're talking with a woman who is brewing it now. I sat down with Kathy in the tap room of Devil's Creek. Here's our conversation over beers. You're coming up on three years then. Right. That's good. Yeah. Three-year anniversary, May um, 2019. So. Okay. Now, where did the name come from, Devil's Creek? Um, so, of course, you know, we try to come up with um, just any unique name, and every time we would, you know, be like, oh, Eureka, then we would Google it and be like, eh, already taken. 
Um, so then we just, and probably more generic names that was happening with, mm-hmm. names that we thought were like fun and kitschy and all that. So then we were like, okay, we need to get really specific to the area, really specific to Collingswood. Um, so we were thinking about, okay, what waterway is around mm-hmm. here? Newton Creek, okay? And that's actually, there's something to that where it's the longest running creek in the state of New Jersey or something like that. And, um, you know, then we're like, okay, what else is specific to Collingswood that's cool? Well, it turns out that the Jersey Devil slated in Collingswood. Um, I went back to uh, the Camden County Library and actually looked at microfiche. If you remember what microfiche is. (laughs) Sadly, I'm old enough to remember that. That was tedious. Um, And I, I printed out articles from, it was the 1800s of the Jersey Devil supposedly being here. And that's actually how I came up with the logo, too. I actually... It, some people unfortunately look at it and think it's a dragon it is not if you really look at it you'll see it has um, horses hooves and it has uh, chicken claws for for its you know hands or whatever you want to call it um, and I think there's one other distinctive thing about it which I don't remember because that was three years ago but that is actually my rendition of the New Jersey That's Devil, Jersey Devil. So. okay well, that works that works so it was Merge the devil with the creek and Correct. Devil's yeah. Creek. Okay. So nice. So opening in in 2016. How long? Everybody I've talked to seems that there's it varies between 12 to th- 12 months to three years. How long did it take from conception? We're going to do this to that May. 2016 oh, wow. date. We were much faster than that. I oh, mean, really? Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm a mover and a shaker. Okay. Let me just tell you, when I get something in my head, I make it happen fast. We actually started talking about it in 2015. Uh, the first thing, and I'm, I'm sort of, since I've been in graphic design and advertising for so long, my first thing is come up with a name, come with a logo, and then we'll go from there. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually think we did that um, even before we found this location. Um so I believe it was, I want to say, June of 2015, we came up with the name and whatnot and started scouting locations and had found this place here, I want to say, um, September of 2015. Okay. And then we opened in May 2016. So, that's, that's pretty you know, good. It was, it was fast. So I'm guessing the town was, was into it, right? Well, huh, that's a funny story. Um, basically what happened was, you know... Uh, Tomewood, um, Eli from Tomewood had actually, and he, I believe, lives in Collingswood, had actually approached the town about opening a brewery here. I think he was the first one. Although, it's possible there was one other person that had talked to them first, and they were dead set against it. No, no, no. Um... And we didn't know that, though. At mm-hmm. the time we came to Collingswood, we didn't know that. We were just trying to find a main street area that um, there was a lot of foot traffic that didn't have anything like this here already. Mm-hmm. And when we found this particular space, it was a big white box, was vacant for two years, okay. and the, the uh, landlord, Ingerman, was like, yes, yes, please, come in, you know, and we'll work with you, um, give you a great deal on the contracting and all that. So then and of course, the next step was to approach the town, um, and they had the uh, planning board meeting and the public meeting and all that. And I, honestly, I don't know like what happened behind closed doors that made the mayor and his staff all of a sudden 
you know, open-minded to it. I don't know if they were saying what was happening in other towns and saying how much, you know, commercial traffic it was driving to the other businesses. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the perfect place for a brewery, of course. We're surrounded by BYOB restaurants. So um, the toughest part of that, though, was uh, the things that were said in that initial meeting um they were said somewhat off the cuff because we didn't realize that the things that were said were going to be put in writing and be, that you know they things were going to try said. to things not, that not us in particular yes us as in the management but our old partner who is no longer with us was the only person who could be at that meeting okay. and he said some things offhandedly that then ended up in the ordinance and and have, has dictated some of the things that we've been allowed to do here so it's been a bit of a struggle and then of course if you go back and look at ordinances in Collingswood's books that are that do go back to the 1800s and hence the 1888 Old Ale right I mean that's when uh, Collingswood was chartered so they have really old laws in the books that say the most ridiculous things, and they still hold true today. As far as? As far as, you know, well, for it's instance. A, it's a dry town, right? Yeah, it's a dry <laughs> town. Um, there, there, were, there were things in there about uh, music and when you can have music. Um, there's things about... Um, I mean, TVs, but that, that, of course, was much newer. But, yeah, there's just there's just a lot of things about entertainment and public gatherings and, and whatnot. And mm-hmm. they just they enforce a lot of that stuff. So okay. when when you were finding this, you said this space was empty. What about directly around it? Because I'm always interested to see what the breweries do for the surrounding area. So uh, you know, definitely. I mean, you're more. This is more of a main street locale. But was it a was it a main street that was thriving? Was it a main street that was up and coming? Was it a- when we came in here? I want to tell you. Uh, I would say. I want to say at least ninety percent of the businesses that you see here now were already in okay. existence. Okay. I believe um, Kitchen Consigliere had just moved in, um, so that was new. Um, and the um, Dolce Bakery came in after us but every other business was already in existence okay so all right so it wasn't it wasn't that the area was having a rough time yeah we didn't get in at the right time or anything like that get some fantastic deal um just for some reason i think there was no business that could take on this amount of space Mm -hmm. and be able to support the rent and you know whatnot right okay okay Makes sense. Um, so I guess being the fact that you're the only alcohol in town and a bunch of BYOBs, that's it's got to be pretty good for you. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure, you know, I still get the whole, oh, we didn't even know you guys were there because the bulk of the restaurants are actually uh, – further east um, you know so it's still hard to get people to know to come down here we hope that the um, restaurant owners and patrons you know it's we hope they you know recommend us and that there's word of mouth and whatnot Um, and we do do different things with the borough when they have um, promotions We, we put our name in with the promotions and if you're going to Collingswood's website you know if they're doing if the town's doing some town like special we'll do a percentage off growlers and whatnot so we try to stay involved in that stuff so people hear about us um 
Yeah, so I like I know for a fact Sapori is right across the street, and it's one of our favorite restaurants. And um, Franco, the owner there, is just has always been supportive since day one. And they will point out, hey, if there's you know your table won't be ready for 20 minutes. Why don't you go over and grab a growler? Right. Okay. So no, that does happen. That's good. That's yeah. good that you have that kind of partnership yeah. with anybody with uh, the people right around you. That's great. What? Um, so from a marketing perspective, when you were opening. I mean, what what did you do to get the word out? What was the what was the plan? I mean, given your background, you know, what, how did you tackle that to get you know? Especially, oh, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> Let me smack your room back that far. Um, so, of course, I'm always a believer. And this is going to sound really funny, but I'm I'm a huge believer in coupons. Okay. okay, like I don't think I personally have ever seen another brewery hand out a coupon, um, but I do because I know the value of a coupon because. People, even if they don't actually remember to bring it, it just make it just strikes a chord with them. Um, so what I always do is I like I print up I design postcards and print them up and I put a coupon on there and then every festival we do um, or event I hand these out and, and I do the whole spiel hey we're you know in such and such location and th- now this is when isn't when we first opened but as time is going on I'm now also able to say and if you come to where we are you're also um, five minutes away from Eclipse you're ten minutes from Double Nickel. You're seven minutes from Tonewood. You know, and I, I'd say make a day out of it. Right. Oh, by the way, here's a coupon, you know. So okay. how is it and and I think I probably know the answer to this already, but how are the relationship with all those other brewers in the area? Oh, they're great. They're great. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, uh, just this past week, uh, last Tuesday, we did the first, uh, I believe it was the first New Jersey Brewers Association winter social um, okay. under Alexis uh, Deegan over at Braddock's Tavern in Medford. And um, I hung out with Chris Manner and his wife Beth all night. I mean, they're just a blast. And, and yeah, it's, a, you know, I don't even think we talked beer that much to me with you um they're a lot of fun and uh actually um forgotten boardwalk mm-hmm. there's there's actually a facebook page for the mjbi and you can go on there with questions about the most random things uh i was trying to find out what brand trash can i could buy for our grain our spent grain because the right. earth kept splitting everybody jumps on and makes recommendations and sends links um Jamie from Forgotten Boardwalk. We need. We were looking for yeast, um, a Belgian yeast, and you know, yeast is very expensive. People wouldn't even believe how expensive it is. And I was like, I don't suppose anybody can hook us up. Jamie said, Come on over. We have your yeah, yeast. Can you spare a cup yeah, of yeast? Yeah. <laughs> so seriously, I mean, everybody is helpful like that. Right. And, and if somebody needed something for from us, yeah, we'd jump right in. So cool. Yeah. I mean, that's and you're not by far not the first person to say that. Yeah. And it, it, not only are there little uh, has the state created little communities but with with the association I think they also crosses the entire state everybody has nothing but good things to say about each other and that's one of the reasons too I love um, the event coming up which is the in March the Atlantic City Beer Fest Mm -hmm. that's 
the opportunity when all the beer uh, guys and brewery owners that your Facebook's friends with and you only just are commenting back and forth on Facebook, you finally get to see them in person and be like, oh right. my gosh, well, you know. <laughs> and hang out in the yeah, back between. Finally, yeah, finally, <laughs> yep. so. yep. yeah. So. No, yeah, uh, I did it last year. It was it was a lot of fun. Yeah. It was definitely a lot of fun. It's, it's, honestly, it's my, John Henderson does such a great job. It's my favorite event of the year. It's yeah. so professional. It's so organized. I love yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. All right, so talking about beer, since we're, you know, the beer fest, um, what is what got you into brewing in the first place? Why open a brewery in the in the first place? I mean, all right, that's yeah. easy. So, um, my business partner Anthony, who is my ex-husband, um, we actually when we first met, we used to talk about what is our dream job. You know, how would we like to retire? You know, down the road, and we both always said that we wanted to own uh, like a bar or something beer related because he was already a homebrew for many, many years and and had actually won some competitions with this beer and I just always liked the whole atmosphere and I always pictured myself having some sort of a a, a bar restaurant on the water somewhere. Mm -hmm. So um, then he taught me how to brew, home brew, in the kitchen. Um, We entered competitions together and then I I guess it was two, I want to always get this wrong, 2013 when Governor Christie relaxed the... um, Yeah, 12, 13. Yeah. yeah. Uh, You know, the licensing and how much it would cost to get a license. Um, that you know put the seed of an idea mm-hmm. and then you know come 2015 is when we were just like yeah let's do this so okay. Okay. so when you were brewing in the kitchen yes um, how many of the how many of the recipes have then translated into the brewery here today honestly two two that's it two yeah okay. I know funny right <laughs> well you know why because you just don't have the same you know you don't have the same purchasing power of course <laughs> and um you know the ratios are so different you know it just some of them would not make sense on a big scale but so brown sugar 69 which we did brew in that first year and I almost I almost brought it back this year um, but ha- haven't yet and uh, one we are brewing right now it's in the fermenter um, our cordially yours chocolate cherry stout okay which is we do every you know January for Valentine's okay so, nice okay. yeah What's your approach to brewing? Like, because I, I'm, when I got here, I was looking around and, you know, it's, there's pale ales, there's IPAs, but it's not, it's not IPA heavy. Um, and even those one, you know, you're not killing the IBUs. Right. So, I mean, what's, what's your approach, your methodology, your thinking behind? Uh, so. What makes it a Devil's Creek beer? Well, I have to tell you. So, I think I've heard from um, repeat customers all the time. They like coming here because we have so many styles. Mm-hmm. Um, every time you come back, there's a different style on. Sure, you know, do we like to have an IPA on? Sure, because there's so many people that still say um, I only drink IPAs but I will tell you there have been times you could come in here and the hoppiest beer was you know 20 IPUs or something I don't even know and we've had times when there were no IPAs mm-hmm. no pale ales and that's just how it worked out right. because um, my partner was always fine with me deciding what a lot of what the lineup was going to be and I like to try brand new beers we've never made before I like to try beers that I think um, 
um, women would like. Mm-hmm. So, um, hence the caramel apple brown ale, the cordially yours, chocolate cherry stout, um, the lollipop lager, right? Mm-hmm. Um, can you clearly say like chocolate too. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I just like to do fun beers. And it's funny too because we have a beer coming up, uh, Weizenbach, and um, Jim, who's now our brewer, um, you know, he said to me, you know, I was, I sent him a list of, of my future, you know, my wish list. And, uh, he's, and I, he said to me, um, can it just be a Weizenbach? Why does it have to have something in it? He's like, can't you just do something classical for once? Because, of course, um, I want to do a Blackberry Weizenbach. I don't want to just do a Weizenbach. And same thing with the Maybach we just did. I couldn't just, the Maybach was delicious when it was in the fermenter. Mm-hmm. Delicious as is. But I was like, I want to add peaches. I don't know why I just want to add peaches. <laughs> <laughs> it's just funny. I mean, yeah. You know, at some point, I'm sure I'll throw in some just classic, traditional, you know. But not anytime but soon. Yeah, no, 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 no. The Belgian pale ale that I'm drinking, this is this is off the charts. This is so Thank nice. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, a lot of times Belgians are a little too sweet, a little too malty, but this has a nice... Has a little bit of spice. A little yeah. spice, a nice yeah. finish across. Thank you. Very well done. Do you um, you like to do different styles? What what inspires the style selection? Well, I mean, obviously, a lot of it's a, a seasonal thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, most of the beers that we have on right now are heavier beers, with, of course, the exception of an IPA or the pale ale. Um, but you can see we, we have the sweet potato pie, which, of course, was brought out around Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Nessie, which is a Scottish wee heavy, same thing. That's that's a, a nice winter beer. Mm-hmm. The peppermint porter was a really fun one. Okay. Um, you know, obviously, I was trying to think of something Christmassy. Right. So, um, and people love that one. Um, How many the, peppermints did you have to throw in? Uh, I am not divulging that secret. Come okay. on. Right. But at Christmas time, yeah, we were putting a little candy cane in there. People loved it. And then, of course, the uh, the Papa Java. Great time of year for a coffee stout. So that's this guy right here. Yep. yep. Okay. And that was a nitro. Okay. So we actually we have two nitro taps. So. There's the coffee. Yeah. yeah. I didn't go crazy with no, the coffee. But it's there. Um. Because, <laughs> so. Funny fact, I don't like coffee beers. <laughs> however, however, I know a lot of people do. Um, so, you know, I thought the coffee, the, the balance of, the, you know, the coffee and the base was good. Um, mm-hmm. Some other people might have liked it stronger. Some people thought it was perfect. So, yeah. But, well, 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 what I'm noticing three beers in is it, there's a very, very smooth so far. Nothing, okay, nothing is overpowering. So all the flavors exist, but they're not. They're complementary. Yeah, complementary. Not nothing standing out. Right, yeah, right. Okay. Like so, there's the. This is definitely a porter. Yeah. But and there's coffee in it, but it's not. You know, holy crap. Yeah, I I'm think not, you, you should know. be able to. I to me, when you taste a beer, you should be able to taste the ingredients that went into the beer. Mm-hmm. You 
you should get the malt, you should get the hop note, you know, you should get whatever the adjunct is, you should get all of that. Okay. Now, where are you getting the coffee from? That coffee was from a roast coffee company in Medford. It's family run, so okay. that was neat to be able to do that. I mean, I actually live in Medford, so um, I went over there one day. I think I was there at 10 in the morning, and by the time I left, I want to say two and a half hours later, my heart was racing, and I was talking a mile a minute because they ro- they roast all their own coffee, and I tried like eight different coffees, and I was trying to make my mind. She kept giving me sample after sample, but uh, I felt like the Papua New Guinea um, bean was was probably the most it had the most flavor without being too bitter or too dark. Okay. So, and come to find out later, I mean, I'm I'm not a coffee connoisseur. I I know exactly how I like my coffee, and I like more. I like I like coffee with my cream and sugar. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I I found out later from a lot of people that that that's actually a, a coffee that people love, the Papua New Guinea, and they actually search for that bean. Mm-hmm. So. As I know, and, and as somebody who drinks coffee black and no sugar, it's yeah, Papua okay. New Guinea's a good okay. bean. Yeah, yeah. That's nice. That's well done. Thank you. All right, so we gotta I guess go Kolsch. Yeah, I mean I sort of in the order you would want to drink well, we it. we talked but, about the Java, yeah. so. So the thing I'll tell you about the Kolsch, um, so, you know, we do use Kolsch yeast. Um, the, uh, the thing I'm most proud of, so this is one of my recipes, um, there are some German fellows that find themselves in town for work a lot of the time. Um, I mean, German as in they hail from Germany and live in Germany. Um, and they, they've come in repeatedly and say that that is the best Kolsch they've ever had in the United States. I a, don't feel a, like there's from a German a that's a rave. Compliment, I know. They <laughs> said so this is as close they felt okay. as you could get to a German, a true German Kolsch. Okay. So very happy about that. Now, and that one's a huge, huge, huge seller with the folks that come in that say, "I do, you know, I don't drink microbrewery craft beer. I'm not right. a craft beer drinker. I drink Bud. I drink Coors right. or whatever." And they say, "What do you recommend?" Oh, that's easy. How about the Kolsch? <laughs> And they say, I love it. They keep ordering it. So we kicked the Kolsch pretty fast. And okay. we actually did not used to have it on all the time. Now we brew it regularly. Okay. Now you have a Kolsch, which a lot of places do. The Kolsch is kind of their lager-esque beer. But right. I've also noticed you do lagers as well. We do. We yeah. do. Um, uh, the Kolsch was was more of we like I say that was going to be a one off. Uh-huh. Uh, we do a lot more um, lagers um, and wheats than we up to the to the point when we did the call tonight. I actually forgot when we first did that, but it was such a big hit. We just kept doing it. Okay. So, but yeah, you will always find a lager um, for sure. Well, now how many? How big of a of a plant do you have? How big is your brew house? It's ten barrels. Ten barrels. Okay. So, you and know, then we how have many four, fermenters? We have four fermenters. Okay, so doing a lager is that takes up some space for some time. That's um, not actually. I mean, I feel like we bang them out. Uh, it depends what it is, but you know, two or three weeks. Yeah. Two okay. weeks. I mean, we're pretty fast. Uh, now, for instance, of course, like the quad's going to be in there for probably another two weeks or so. I mean, that's that's a really big beer. I think that ends up being around 12%. Okay. Um, and I don't know. That's another thing that you may or may not have noticed. Um, 
We tend to, uh, you know, skirt the higher level of the ABVs there. I know a lot of people have usually have between 4 and 6%. And for some reason, I don't know, it's because I like <laughs> a little alcohol in my beer. But we're usually pretty high up there, so... You yeah, know, it's I mean, you something got, that's going to rock your world. Uh, what's the lowest? Is it, four, well, the, the Belgian is 4. Yeah, that's, I have to tell you, that's unusual. Yeah, all that right. Is so unusual. other than that, nothing below five nine, is it five eight? Yeah. Okay. All yeah, right, we're so usually yeah. up there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and the Nessie is yeah, the Nessie is yeah. we heavy definitely. And yep. the thing about the Nessie is it's it's so I, I know this gets bandied about a lot, but it's so easy drinking. You don't even know it's not it doesn't have that really boozy taste. Mm-hmm. So that'll catch you on the Let me just tell you right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, so then now this one is that is the caramel apple, which okay. I felt like you had to taste um, just because it's it's just such a crowd pleaser. Now, as someone who's not a big fan of fruit front beers, fruit forward beers, that's pretty good. That's, Thank you. Yeah, and it's people, you know, you have to explain. People always think it's going to taste too sweet. Yeah. And I say it really doesn't because no. the bite of the apple, I think, takes, takes it out. The, yeah. The, the caramel is there. Yes. It definitely is there, but it's not. Yeah, it's not heavy. Well, it's not too syrupy, heavy. Yeah. Right? That's, yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. That's considering, <laughs> considering I'm usually like, all right, with the fruit, take right. it easy. But I yeah, gotcha. that's pretty good. I don't expect you to finish it if that's not your style. So I, I will not listen, be insulted. I, I, I will never insult my get my host. Okay. I will drink all the beer in front of me. Don't worry. That's funny. Okay, and then last but not least. Okay, so that's our our crush grove. Okay. Um, so that is a very citrusy. Um, we feel like very orangey. I say citrus, but it's really strong notes of orange. Um, I would say moderately hoppy. Mm-hmm. More of a West Coast style. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Which is funny because you don't find many of these anymore. I know. That's fun. Okay, it's funny you say that because when, when we first, you know, came up with the recipe, I was thinking, yeah, this is old school. Mm-hmm. Old mm-hmm. school, which harks to the very music I like, which is old school <laughs> rap. Um, so, hence the name Crush Grove. Any of your listeners know that that's, uh, you know, an old school rap song, um, which is, well, Crush Groove. Um, but yeah, so... We there's that is straight up hops. I mean, there is nothing else going on mm-hmm. there. So mm-hmm. there's n- there's nothing going in the fermenter or the secondary. I mean, yep. that is the beer. And it's a it's a it's a, a hop forward clear IPA, yep. which yep. is oh my you know, gosh, yeah, it's not hazy. <laughs> it's not oh hazy. my gosh, we did something <laughs> had, wrong. Had that get past yes, the IPA, I know, please? Right? Speaking of which, <laughs> oh, it's cops. Yeah, it's but it's it's funny. I've had who did I have on? Um, oh, it was um, Demented. Yeah, exactly. Last season, and it was, he's like, yeah, we don't even do West Coast style IPAs anymore. I know. It's all, all, everything's going to be in New England. And I'm like, that's insane. Yeah, I mean, we, that's what I say. Like, we will do, if there's a style out there and we have the capability of doing it, mm-hmm. we will do it. Like, we're considering doing a sour. Um, that's just going to be hard for us with the equipment we have and whatnot, mm-hmm. but we're, we're considering it. So, um, <coughs> 
So we're about to, we're going to do a, 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 a brute IPA soon, which that's okay. new for us. Okay. Um, now with with doing a sour, it's it's tight quarters. What are you gonna? How are you gonna approach the sour? Uh, that's the, we haven't even talked about it yet. Okay. In fact, we every time the subject comes up, I sort of push it to the back. Okay. I, I just I yeah, it's because uh, you know everybody's like oh sour yeast and yeah. you know brewing all the other yeast and get it gets out in the air exactly right. exactly I I yeah I mean I went to um, Goose Island back in was it January of 2016 I think. When they first opened the Chicago um, plant to mm-hmm. tours, we were on the very first tour ever there, and they took us back into the part where it's you know the guys were wearing lab coats and they were wearing face masks <laughs> and took us back to where the wild yeast strains were and you know it's all cordoned off and it was pretty funny. I mean, not funny like wow, this is what you have to do. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So they were, took it very seriously. Mm-hmm. So. So any anything coming up in the next few months? Are you doing anything special for your anniversary? Uh, we always do something. Um, we always do our birthday cake uh, beer, which is a huge hit. Um, and the thing we did... The first year we uh, bottled uh, barrel-aged beers. Mm-hmm. We did the 750s barrel-aged beers. Then the second anniversary we did that again, the, the bourbon-aged barrels, um, which we will be talking about now because they need to be in there for at least four months. Um, and then the other thing we did last year, which was new for us, was we actually canned two of our beers. Okay. So uh, we may do that again. That's actually a little bit of an expensive energy. Enterprise, uh, you know, you have to bring in the mobile canners. You have to, you know, pay for the you pay for the cans. You pay for the labels. You pay for the labor. You pay for the guys to bring their whole setup in. And I have to tell you, if if I played footage of, of that day, oh my goodness! Like this whole place, our so our whole brewery house and tasting room all together is around fifteen hundred square feet. We used fourteen hundred and ninety nine <laughs> square feet. You could barely get in the door. I table. It looked like a bomb went off. And if you went back in the brew house and you had to go out to the back closet, which is, you know, out our back door down the hallway, you had to crawl on your hands and knees under the canning machine while it was operating. (laughs) I mean, that's how bad it was. So Okay. So your uh, canning is a rarity. Are you out and about in local bars? and Well, not local in Collinswood, but are you distributing anywhere to bars? Very, very slowly. Uh, Back in 2000, 2016, I was doing it. I was doing the self-distribution, going out on sales calls and whatnot. Um, it just got really tedious. Uh, I had a Kia, a small car, <laughs> and I was putting half kegs in my back seat. And, you know, I'm sorry, if you're pulling up to a restaurant, you know, or, or whatnot, they don't have some guy stand there waiting for you no. with a dolly. Like, you have to figure out how to get it out yourself. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm lucky I didn't break my toes. Um, now, this year, we just started with Scott from Thunderbolt mm-hmm. okay. distributing. Um, okay. He just sold uh, a couple kegs for us uh, less than a month ago, and and he, and he actually he's growing right now too. I mean, mm-hmm. he just he's hiring you know a bigger sales force. It's actually more work than he even ever expected. So as he's ramping up with that, we're giving him more work. So okay. any plans for um, expansion? 
New location, well, different location, different spot. We've been talking about that over 2018. We were talking about that, and that is still something we're considering. Um, we love this space. As you can see, it's beautiful. Floor to ceiling windows. Um, I can't think of another brewery that looks like our brewery. Um, it's just a perfect corner location, right where all the restaurants are. However, there's nowhere to go. Above mm -hmm. us are condos. To the side of us is uh, our landlord's um, offices. Behind us is a hallway. There's nowhere to go. Mm -hmm. Nowhere. So yeah, we. I mean, if we if we want to grow, eventually we're gonna have to move. Move it out. I mean, that, that's just reality. Gotcha. So. Thank you, Kathy. You can visit Devil's Creek at One Powell Lane in Collinswood, New Jersey. Visit their website, devilscreekbrewery.com, for hours and info on their beer. And be sure to be there for their third anniversary party on Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 10 p.m. Over Beers has joined the Hopped Up Network of beer podcasts. Check out hoppedupnetwork.com to find beer podcasts from all over the country. As always, you can check out the blog at overbeers.beer. Please leave a rating for the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It helps, and I appreciate it. You can also leave a comment on the blog or send me an email. I'd love to hear your thoughts and ideas for the show. The email address is cheers at santefoto.com. We've got an Instagram account, at overbeerspod. I'm Freddie Clark, and I'm going to go have a beer, but I'll be back soon with more conversations over beers.